Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Malachi, chapter 2. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Husbands, take your place in leadership in the home. God did not call you, husband, to submit to your wife. God did not call you to submit to your wife. God called you to love your wife. Now, yes, submitting one another. I know you're going to go, oh, in Ephesians 5, 21 says submitting one another. I know that. <laughs> and do that. We are to submit to one another. I submit to my wife. Honey, what you think? Well, this is what I think. Well, this is what I think. But she always says, you know, well, honey, but you do what the Lord's showing you to do. She always says that you do what God's showing you to do. And I'll support that. And you know what happens? God starts showing me that what she said was right. (laughs) I hate it when that happens. (laughs) And I'm like, we got to do it her way again. I always do it her way. Do it my way sometime. Give us a whining. But see, but we're out of place. We're out of place. You know, stand with your spouse. Couples, listen. Stand back to back with your spouse in the face of everything. Because God has made you one. And when you guys start ripping apart, we'll talk about that in a minute. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Look at this here in verse 16. For it covers one's garment with violence. Man, you start separating from your spouse and doing your own thing. You're ripping your garment. You're ripping that covering. You're ripping that covering of love and protection. You're ripping that. I'll tell you a little bit more about that from an ancient perspective in just a minute. But stand with your spouse. Don't break the covenant with with, with kids or, you know, in-laws. Outlaws, you know, whoever they are, whatever you stand. Marriage is a covenant of companionship. And then notice finally in verse 11, marriage, notice God's, notice which he loved. Marriage is something that God loves. You see that in verse 11? Marriage is something that God loves marriage. The Lord's holy institution which he loves And not only were they profaning the marriage relationship, but they were divorcing their Jewish wives to marry these pagan women. We talked about that. Remember I mentioned last week that, you know, it's as if these Jewish men were going through a midlife uh, crisis. And and, and remember we talked about that. They were just kind of, you know, basically they were trading in the older model for a newer model. Getting these young maids, they were doing. We talked about that. And then God said in verse 14, he'd been the witness. Did you see that? Look at verse 14 in your Bibles. The Lord was a witness in this marriage relationship 
when they originally stood before the priest and had been sanctioned as husband and wife. He, God, was there when they stated their vows and entered into this covenant of marriage. And so God says, I was there. I heard the promise and I'm holding them to the covenant that they made that day, Saturday, previous Saturday, uh, last Saturday. I, um, I had the privilege of officiating a wedding and, uh, you know, it's interesting because, you know, people stand there, couples stand there and, you know, you go through the marriage vows and you say, you know, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, you know, sickness and health until death do us part. And you're going through the marriage vows and whatever. And, you know, you stand there and you go over these vows and you look at the couple and you can't see them from where I see them. But from where I see them, you're looking at them. They're not hearing a word I'm saying. They just going through. OK, would you repeat after me for better, for worse, for better, for worse? Richer for poor, richer for poor. And they go, they're going through the word, but they're not really hearing a word that there's, I mean, they're kind of looking at each other and they're repeating the words, but they're not hearing anything I'm saying. They're thinking about, Pastor Ronnie, get on with this. We're ready to get to the honeymoon. Can we leave? Time to go. I can tell from where I'm standing. And so, you know, it's like, man, we just can't wait to get, because this particular couple was going to Hawaii. And, uh, I can see it in their eyes. They just couldn't wait to get to Hawaii. <laughs> you know what I mean? Say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Because you know you were like that too. You're standing there going through the thing and you're looking at him and you look at you and you're going, oh, your eyes, for better or for worse. Oh, that nose is so cute for rich or for poor. You're not, I mean, you're not really, and I know that they're not really. This is why we... Pr- <laughs> This is why we have like six to eight weeks of marriage counseling prior to them getting married, because we are trying to help them to understand the various roles prior to them actually standing there. Because I know that they're not going to hear a word I say, no matter what I say in the wedding ceremony. We have to understand that. And I think that we don't really get it. That, that we are standing before family and friends and most of all. God says, I was witness. I was there. I was witness and I heard you make those vows. And then notice in verse 15, did not he make them one? I love that statement. Did not he make them one? Listen, God could have made Adam a harem. He could have and he could have bought Adam a harem. That's a bunch of ladies, y'all, in case you don't know what that is. A harem. And he could have said, Adam, these are yours. But he didn't, did he? The Bible says that a deep sleep fell upon Adam. And what happened when he woke up? God gave him not a harem, but one woman. And God said, Adam, meet Eve. And Adam saw Eve. And said, Foxy Mama. Ooh, girl, you fine. (laughs) He didn't give him a harem. And by the way, let me just kind of insert this. By the way, what was Adam doing when Eve was created and being prepared? What was Adam doing? Sleeping. 
This is a word to the single folks. Want a husband? You want a wife? Go to sleep. <laughs> now, now, of course, you know, I mean, I physically go to sleep. Like, don't take a sleep med. <laughs> but what I mean is, stop trying to find them. Stop trying to find them. Go into all the stuff you think you're going to find a man. You're going to find me. I'm going to find me a man. Going to the single thing, I'm going to find me a man. Go to the single thing, I'm going to find me a woman. Listen, don't do that. Don't be looking all around and carrying on and just go to sleep. Just rest in the Lord. Just rest in the Lord. Just let God do what God's going to do. Let God move the way God's going to move. Let God kind of create them. Because you know what? Here's the deal. If you just go to sleep, guess what's happening? God's got this. God's working it all out. He's creating her. He's getting her ready. But you're so busy looking over here trying to get a man or trying to get a woman and God saying, hey, hey, I got her over here. Now, if you would just go to sleep and let me do what I got to do, I'll lead you and guide you in the direction that you need to take so that you bring that you come together with that one person. Because I still believe that there is one person on the earth for you, not 10, not five, not a harem, but one person that God has created. And if you just go to sleep and rest in the Lord, serve God and keep your mind on God, then God's going to bring somebody right here to Calvary Chapel if you attend this church. And yet God's going to bring somebody here to Calvary Chapel. And you're going to be getting a latte. <laughs> and they're going to want to get a latte, the same one that you just got. And you're going to go, wow, I like that one too. <laughs> Extra whipped cream. I like that one too. You like cherry on top? I like that one too. Man, you must be my husband. No, just kidding. <laughs> No, but it's sort, of, it's sort of kind of, but not really happens like that. You know, it does. I'm just saying, you know, wait and rest in the Lord. Okay, I'm moving on. <laughs> All right. I'm moving on. Now, now, look at this here. Now, here, let's get to this. Let's get to this. Man, it's, it's so hard to get to verse 16. I've been two weeks trying to get to verse 16. <laughs> two weeks. Now, look at verse 16. For the Lord God of Israel, would you read it with me again? For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Now stop right there. Notice here what we have. God says, I hate divorce. God hates divorce because. You can't separate that. Because. It covers one's garment with violence. Now, just for the sake of refocusing before we go forward, let's let, let's talk about this for a minute. I've mentioned it already. The men of Israel, what's going on? The men of Israel were divorcing their wives of their youth and they were marrying pagan women and carrying on with life as usual, as if nothing happened. And so they would bring their offering to the temple. And as I said, the offering was kind of like roadkill. Offering, all beat up, blind, lame, maimed, one eye, offering to give to God. And they come to the temple and they would see their ex-wife there weeping before the Lord. And Malachi, now note, now note this here, Malachi is mustering up the most intense words he can find. And he says, hear what God says, I hate divorce. Now, let me tell you what it does not say, because it's very important. It doesn't say, I hate the divorced. 
And it doesn't say, I hate the divorced person. God doesn't hate divorced people. God hates divorce. And quite honestly, saints, we should be very glad about that. Because we are the bride. Well, God hates divorce. Look, we are the bride of Christ. If you're a Christian, we're the bride of Christ. And because God hates divorce, out of all the things that I've done to him, he has never divorced me. Because I am his bride. So me personally, when I read God hates divorce, I'm happy about that. Because I'm the bride of Christ. You're the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. And he has never divorced us. God hates divorce. It's sin. God hates drunkenness. God hates unjust violence. God hates witchcraft. God hates drug abuse. God hates all of these things that people get themselves involved in. Sin, divorce is one of many sins that God hates. God hates divorce. Why? God hates divorce. Now listen closely from here on. God hates divorce because of what divorce produces. God hates divorce because of what divorce produces. And of course, the question then is, what does divorce produce? Well, let me just read you some statistics and ramifications of divorce taken from biblical counseling for today. Listen close. Did you know 90% of cohabitating, that means living together, couples plan to get married someday, but 40% break up before they say, I do? Did you know? Did you know that people who live together before they get married are twice as likely to get a divorce after they marry compared to couples who never live together? Did you know the longer a couple lives together before marriage, the more likely they are to get a divorce? Did you know that 84% of all documented child abuse occurs in single parent homes with half of those instances occurring at the hands of of a boyfriend? Did you know that a pregnant woman is four times more likely to be beaten by her boyfriend than by her husband? Some people will tell you that divorce is the answer to your problem. And they say, we've probably all heard, well, the kids, well, the kids, they're resilient. The kids, oh, they'll get over it. Well, listen at this. Research suggests Children of divorce are far more likely to end up adults with poorer income, weaker emotional adjustment, and less stable marriages. After divorce, children tend to become more emotionally distant from both the custodial and non-custodial parents. This emotional distance lasts well well into adulthood. They will have more contact in later years with the parent they grew up with versus the parent they didn't grow up with. Compared with continually married mothers, divorced mothers, whether custodial or non-custodial, are likely to be less affectionate and less communicative with their children. Divorced mothers are more likely to discipline more harshly and more inconsistently, especially in the first year after the divorce. Divorced mothers, despite their best intentions, are less able than married mothers to give the same level of emotional support to their children. The quality of the relationship that divorced fathers have with their sons tends to be significantly worse after the breakup. Children of divorce are less likely to think they should support their parents in old age. 
Finally, the higher the level of conflict during the divorce, the more likely the distance between the father and children afterward. And I should say that some of my quotes and statistics are taken from the effects of divorce on America by Patrick F. Fanagan and Robert Retker is his name. And so I read these statistics and I'll tell you something. God knew all that before man figured it out. God knew that. It's very clear that God hates divorce because God knows the pain of divorce. And anyone that has been through a divorce knows the pain of divorce. It kills families. It kills friends. It it, it causes people to have to choose. We were talking about last night, honey. It causes people to have to choose between who they're going to be friends with now because of the divorce. It robs children, as we just read, of healthy relationships. Divorce leaves people emotionally scarred for life. Dreams are shattered. Commitments are broken. And people are left in financial ruin. All because of divorce. That, my friend, is why God hates divorce. Because of what it produces. Nothing but bad fruit. Now, in certain cases, God does allow divorce. But understand something. God never commands divorce. You understand? God never commands it. God allows it. God's heart is always for repentance, forgiveness, listen close, restoration and reconciliation. Misery, listen to me close. Misery, unhappiness, poverty, irreconcilable differences are not grounds for divorce. Misery. I've had people say to me, Pastor Rodney, I'm miserable in my relationship and I want to get a divorce. And I'll tell them that's not what the Bible says. Misery is not a grounds for divorce. Irreconcilable differences. What does that mean anyway? Oh, well, he puts the toilet seat up all the time and I'm just sick of it. Well, he leaves a toothpaste top off the toothpaste and I just can't stand it anymore. It's driving me crazy. I'm going to divorce him. This is irreconcilable differences. What is that? The Bible doesn't give permission to divorce for that reason. You know, let me just say to you, and I certainly can't cover this whole topic tonight, but I've taught in previous studies. If you're interested, check with the bookstore. Sometimes separation is needed. People have come to me and they're in a bad situation where the husband is violent or even the wife is violent. Stuff is changing nowadays. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm trying, I'm not laughing. I mean, I'm not, I'm really not. But it is, you, what, am I the only one hearing this? <laughs> Stuff is changing. People are, wives are beating up husbands now. And, 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 and things are, are weird out there. And there are times when a separation may be needed. But let me just say, listen to me close, it's very important. If you choose to separate, then you, according to the Bible, should live faithful to your marriage vows, even while you're separated. Because we've heard of that. People getting separated and leave the home, they get married. They already plan to marry somebody as soon as the divorce goes through. Oh, I'm just waiting to get my year over with. As soon as I get my year up, North Carolina says, I can get me a divorce. And then I'm a, I, got, I got the man of my life over here. And you know what happens? Statistically, you marry that man. He ain't the man of your life either. And thus you got eight divorces under your belt. And now you're like, oh, I hate men. (laughs) Well, wait a minute. Could it be, could it be that it's not the man, that it's you? Huh, a surprise. Yeah. 
God hates divorce. All right, I'm, I'm going to close right here. Look, God hates divorce. Notice this because, and I got to tell you this, it covers one's garments with violence. Now, now listen, in our culture, really quick, in our culture, we put a ring on someone's finger to propose marriage. But in ancient Israel, listen close, they would cover you with a garment. Now, I was hoping to have time to read it, but I won't. But you go read it. It's in Ruth chapter 3. It's a beautiful story. I love the book of Ruth. But, but, but they would cover you with a garment. And this garment symbolized love and protection. If a man divorces his wife, instead of having a garment that symbolized love and protection, he had a garment that symbolized violence. In other words, he wrenched apart what God said was one. And when a wife is forsaken or mistreated, that man is covering his own garment with violence. You see, a man cannot mistreat his wife without bringing misery and destruction upon himself. That's what the Bible says. Why? Because you're one. That's why. So you might say, you know, Pastor Rodney, okay. Give me two, give me two minutes. You might say, Pastor Rodney, listen. I'm a Christian, and I got a divorce prior to becoming a Christian. What do I do? Well, if you're a Christian, you got a divorce prior to becoming a Christian. The Bible says when you become a Christian, you are a new person in Christ. And all of your past sins, you know, in B.C., what I call before Christ, right, then, thank you, before Christ are covered under the blood of Jesus, and he's forgiven you. Well, maybe you're here and you say, you know, I've already divorced for the wrong reasons. And then, you know, I got married. What do I do? Well, I say, then you ask God to forgive you and you stay in the marriage that you're currently in. And you make that marriage that you're currently in a godly marriage by giving glory to God in it. You know, some people I've had somebody ask me, should I get a divorce because I messed up before? No, don't do that. Two wrongs never make a right. But you always want to just move forward and make this marriage a godly marriage. And maybe you're a Christian and you're married to a non-Christian and they don't want to be married and they abandon you. What do you do? Well, First Corinthians seven, I'd encourage you to read it, but it simply tells you that don't you know, let them depart. If they leave, then they leave. If you love Jesus and and they don't and they leave, then they leave. You can't make somebody love you that and they won't. You can't make them. So if they decide to leave, then, then they leave. But, but you pray and you seek God and you continue to love God. And then to understand that if they divorce you and they don't want you anymore and they throw you away, then God has freed you and God has called you to peace. First Corinthians chapter 7. All of these things do happen. And if, listen, if you've never been married, then praise God. I mean, I mean, I mean, that came out wrong. What I meant was, y'all know what I mean. I'm struggling tonight, but it's all right. <laughs> what I meant was this, you know, thank God, you know, get the CD and learn something and try to move forward in the right direction is what I meant. And let God bless your marriage. God, God wants to bless your marriage. And here's the good news. Here's the good news in closing. Here's the good news. God specializes. Listen, God specializes in redemption, reconciliation, and restoration. That's what God does best. 
God can take a broken life, a broken marriage, a broken person. God can take the years that the locusts, the Bible says, have eaten up. He can take them and he can restore those years to you. God can restore dysfunction. We're all dysfunctional. We're dysfunctional. No, I'm more dysfunctional than you. We're all dysfunctional. It's called sin. It's called the sin nature. Man is titled it dysfunction. God calls it sin. We all are dysfunctional and God can heal dysfunction. There are no perfect marriages, but God can take our lives and take our marriages and turn them around by the power of the Holy Spirit and make you and I and our marriage a living testimony for his glory and for your good. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.